we have these crossroads. And you know, either way you choose, your life is going to be different. The universe doesn't exist, but God thinks it does. We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. Stupidity has a definite evolutionary function. I am all for abolishing stupidity, but before it goes, we should pay tribute to it. Howdy, friends. Welcome to the Nonsense Bazaar. We're your hosts, Willow Truman. And I'm Sequoia Kennedy. And today... Today. We're picking back up on the story of John Noyes' nose... Nose. It's nose. I hate that it's nose, but it's nose. John knows. And the Oneida community. And the secret history of American dinnerware. Yes. <laughs> so much forking going on in today's episode. Yeah, we've been teasing a lot of a lot of forking in the series. Yeah. Some spooning too, probably. Some tender loving spooning. Is any of this tender? I think so. Okay. Yeah. In the letters, there's like some you know, some steamy, passionate love affairs going on. God. Between between these members. So yeah, we've got a soap opera of an episode today. I, I don't like thinking about I don't like thinking about anyone before like the year, I'm going to say like 1945 having sex. Yeah, it's weird. Sanitation has made exponential. It's weird. Bounds. Like, so I've been doing all of this writing, looking into the archives, trying to figure out the more like steamy personal backstories behind this shit. Like yeah, stuff yeah. that you don't see on the surface articles. The real drama. Yeah. The real small drama. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the real interpersonal stuff, which is has been so much fun. Really so delightful. Now it's been it's been a long week. Let's go over where where we've been. Okay. So where we last left off. Yes. John and Harriet had gotten hitched in 1838. Remember, we got Harriet, Harriet, poop, 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 Harriet with the money. There was a certain point in the last episode where um, I just started thinking about one completely unrelated thing and tuned out of everything else. Oh, what was that? The fact that the the only time in my life my name has ever been considered a normal name in the context of like a name tag or something. Yeah, that you could find it like on a keychain in a gift shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Along those lines. Simpsons, Bart, Bort, you know, that whole bit. The only time that's ever been true for me in my life is some creepy motherfucker on YouTube just singing Sequoia Poop. Sequoia, Sequoia, Sequoia. Poop, poop, poop. Yeah, no, and so like I, that like, there's scar tissue in my brain from that, (laughs) you know? Oh, boy. You got me good. Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's the gonna be the cause of the thousand yard stare i'm slowly right well, <laughs> <laughs> that really broke you no, it's fucking dead oh. it bothers me oh my gosh yes so 1838 like sand through the hourglass so are the days of our lives ah uh. Beautiful. Yeah. So I'm just going to just imagine this episode as like a season of the days of our lives, except it's set. It's set in the 18, 1840s. Yeah. This is an antebellum Yankee soap opera. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it ends with a silverware corporation. Right. (laughs) And eugenics. So it's par for the course. Oh, my God. Yankee soap operas. Yeah. Excellent. Right. Right. All right. 
see what the cards have to say about soap opera. (laughs) Seven of Cups. Mm. Debauch. Debauch. Yes. Yes. We've pulled this one before. We have Netzach and Briath. Venus and Scorpio. Mm. Quite fitting. Okay. We'll talk about that later. Totally. That's fucking funny. That's perfect. (laughs) All right. So after his period of uh, depression or madness, whatever that was that John knows experienced in in New York, the one that blew up his relationship with Abigail, uh, uh, money became an all-consuming worry for old John Boy. He'd always lived in financial security provided by his father, but now John refused to accept any more money from his family until they accepted him and his new class fucking profit man, right? John needed the support of his family to legitimize his status of a perfectionist leader. Not, like, to the world. Like, they didn't have any particular sway, but, like, to himself. He needed that family approval, as we all, yeah, now. Right. Dude's three younger siblings were easy to convince. His older sister, Joanna, not so easy. But John's battle with her was nothing compared to the one he had with his mother. Right. So John's relationship with his mother is very interesting. Growing up, John's father was frequently absent due to his business and political uh, obligations. So Polly had almost exclusive control over the children for most of their childhoods. (laughs) And she was a Calvinist. So it's safe to guess that she probably adhered to child-rearing practices intended to prevent the growth of autonomy, to instill a lifelong sense of shame in the hopes of ensuring her children's salvation, their devotion to God, you know, just just really, like, shame, guilt. Yeah. All the religious freedom that people came over to the new world to practice, like, it was this weird shit. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's the religious reader they were after, you know? Yeah. So without his non-religious father there to mitigate Polly's influence, John failed to develop a sense of autonomy from a young age, which was then made worse by these third degree burns he received at age three that required him to become even more dependent upon his mother during this critical stage of development where you're learning how to do stuff for yourself and be confident within yourself. What did Polly do to him? She she threw stunted, him in the fire. She stunted his development. No, where did he get the burns? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> so, as a child, John had failed to develop an autonomous personality. He was dependent upon his mother. He was shy. He lacked self confidence. Oh, I'll never get married. You know, when he was sent away to boarding school, he felt abandoned and forsaken by Polly. This ain't happiness. Remember. This ain't happiness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. So just like the profound resentment he felt when sent away to boarding school, Polly's unacceptance of him as a perfectionist was simply unbearable. He could not move on in his journey towards being a leader without his mother's acceptance. This wound over rejection would become opened again and again throughout John's life and throughout his relationships with women, which would manifest itself in a variety of ways. Yeah. Yeah, I'm seeing some troubling patterns here. Yeah. Well, lucky for John's sense of worth, after a year of relentless pressure and her other family members turning against her in favor of John, Polly broke down. Poor Polly. Oh, poor Polly. She just wants to doodle all the day. <laughs> Polly Wally doodling flowers. That's right. That's how she day. spends her time. I cannot believe I didn't say that last episode. It didn't occur to me that Polly Wally doodles all the day. Holy shit. I like. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a missed opportunity. Wow, that's, yeah, so, that's, that's something. Polly actually didn't give a fuck about perfectionism, but she did care about her son and her family who were all, you know, on John's side and all in favor of perfectionism. So she pretended to believe more than she actually did just for appearances. I don't trust Polly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's something up with that, that woman. The, her relationship with John was just a bit, just a bit twisted. My mom's got the devil in her. <laughs> yeah, I can't that line this ain't happiness all I can fucking imagine of John knows is, is just like as in in a, in a straw hat playing the banjo at the Newport Folk Festival in like 2010 oh my god yeah this ain't happiness yeah 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 just like shiny shiny folk pop got a little harmonica thing around his neck never plays it though yeah <laughs> doesn't even work. <laughs> but so that's this that's how the Putney community came about, which first consisted of only John and his wife, several of his brothers and sisters, and a small cluster of converts from the neighborhood in good old Putney, Vermont. Which went on a big thing about how I'd been there. Turns out I'd never been there. <laughs> that was Pulteney. Right. I've I've been to Pulteney. Uh, and like they did the whole communal living thing, living in a group, sharing the possessions and the duties. Bible communism. Bible communism. The women only prepared, you know, one hot meal a day. If you're hungry after that, you know, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Um, and which is, that's that, that's that good American Bible like communism. That. Yeah. That's how you, you know? yeah. Primary activities of the group were uh, spiritual exercises and printing of The Witness, which is their magazine on their very own printing press that Harriet paid for. Yes. We should keep a tally of how many wives pay for everything. Right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, have you ever seen the Dover Boys? It's like an old animation. I've never, that, I've never that, seen the Dover Boys. Oh, gosh. Well, there's a, a dastardly character named Dan Backslide, and he has a, a line <laughs> where he goes, Oh, how I love her. Father's money. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just imagining, like... Just John doing that every mm -hmm. step of the way. Every time, like, Harriet takes out her little checkbook or whatever. Oh, yeah. She bought him two printing presses, actually. Holy shit. Yeah. Damn. So, to understand how the Putney community turns into the Oneida community, we've got to meet a little couple called the Cragans. Ew, I don't like it. <laughs> meet the Cragans. I don't like that name. Oh, yeah. Well, George Cragan. He met Mary Johnson. George Cragen met Mary Johnson, a fellow church member, one Sunday, June 1831. Just imagine the sun is shining. The grass mm. is green. Oh, it's so green. The spirit of God is in the air. That He's just cow farts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just making everybody dizzy. Mm -hmm. He saw her walking around in a panic, hand in hand with a child, searching for the child's mother, but to no avail. George noticed she was hot and he had some free time. <laughs> So he joined in on the search. Together, they solved the case of the missing mom. <laughs> Afterwards. Where was she? <laughs> I don't know. What the hell? They found her, though. She's in a tree. <laughs> yeah. Afterwards, Mary invited him over to her place for tea, and the rest is history. Like, what a little... You want to come to my place for a drink? Yeah. Literally. It's like a perfectionist 1831 mm -hmm. tea. So their courtship lasted for two and a half years, and then they were married. Oh, married Mary.
monkeys are pretty good. Yeah, Mary. Yeah. Oh, Mary. Mary, baby. They are not nearly as cool as that, though. <laughs> giving them way too much credit. <laughs> Mary Johnson. She's an intelligent young lady. She's carefully educated in private schools. She was placed in charge of the school at the church at age 18. Hmm. So she's, she's a smart cookie. Yeah. There's only like 12 people in Vermont, though. Yeah, right? Well... <laughs> <laughs> George Cragen, he's a smart cookie, too. In 1834, he became business manager of the Advocate of Moral Reform. Are any of these people smart? Yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah, I would say so. They're all like, they're from that rash of, like, people that went to schools, you know? No, they're the same exact people as still. Doesn't necessarily mean they're smart, but they're educated. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's why I dropped out of the University of Vermont. Mm. Exactly these type of people. Yeah. Fucking hate them. Wow. <laughs> Not entirely, but there's a there's a flavor that's still around. Mm. Up in the Green Mountains. Okay. There's a snoot. Okay, snooty. Yeah, super snooty. I might cut all that. I don't know how much I want to insult you. <laughs> I know these fucking assholes, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're snooty, private school educated Birkenstocks. people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, no. Yeah, same type, same type. <laughs> you think so? For sure. The 1834 equivalent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I guess, like in, except they're, they're way more crunchers. prudish. They're so prudish Bro. and religious. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Birkenstock, like, granola crunching fucking Vermont educated hippies. Mm. The ones that aren't blasting their brains with ketamine every other day. Yeah. Oh, they're such fucking prudes. Mm. Yeah. I don't like prudish Boring individuals. People. Yeah. yeah. And they, like, I can't. I just can't. Yeah. I need to be free. I need to be free to be crude. So in 1834, George Cragen <laughs> became the business manager of the Advocate of Moral Reform, which Ugh. is a paper published by the Female Moral Reform Society of New York City. Ugh. I know. Uh, well, you know with... what they do. <laughs> you can go either way, but I said Oh, yeah. You're going to tell us what they do very shortly. Okay. With Cragen managing the paper, their subscription list bumped up to 20,000 names, and many new branches of the society were formed around the country. Dude's got some skills. Dude can push some paper. Yeah, he can manage some moral reform papers. All right, so like these moral reform organizations that sprang up during the 1830s and 40s, like the one that George worked for, they existed to try and eliminate prostitution. Their methods of reform included going to ho going to brothels and praying and publishing the names of people who names of the Johns who show up there all the time, the regular clients, hoping to embarrass them. Their efforts were not successful. Yeah, they're just assholes. These Rhode Island police did a crackdown on fucking Backpage. There's a prostitution soliciting site. Yeah. Yeah. This dude I was doing an open mic with, running an open mic with, fucking was one of the guys who got his, their name fucking picture and face just put all over the fucking paper like, as he was how, he was so embarrassed i felt so bad for yeah him. that's he was a nice he was just a drummer no, trying to fucking there's no reason to be embarrassed honestly yeah. like there's no reason to be embarrassed and this shit is so stupid and there's such assholes I mean, I'm embarrassed, i'd be embarrassed if your wife didn't know you were doing it which i don't oh, I, I think okay. that was the I can't yeah. Say yeah 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 everybody knows yeah, you're yeah. a cheater, cheater pumpkin eater yeah yeah uh-huh and I never wow. saw him again after that. So yeah, that's what that's what the New York Female Moral Reform Society was getting up to. Yeah. Just like, okay, guys, 
weirdos. The director. Weird thing to weird hill to die on. A weird thing to. Yeah. Yeah. Get get your income over. Focus your career on. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it definitely. All right. I might disagree, but I understand part of your beliefs, whatever beliefs you need, blah, blah, blah. If that's your hill to die on. It's so stupid. You need to get out more. I know. I'm like, oh, this city's falling apart. There's too many, too many people. You're stepping in puddles yeah. of shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the director, Mrs. William Green Jr. I'm sure she has her own first name, but God help me, I couldn't find it. Yeah. She's part of the female moral reform like, society. Like, wow, how Jesus. Um, how progressive that I can't even find this woman's fucking first name in yeah. any of like and in, in any case, uh, Mrs. William Green and her husband, they put the society in an uproar, declaring that they had become perfectionists. So Mrs. Green was expelled. Oh, no. Perfectionism became an absolute no-no to discuss around the office. Don't even say that word. Yeah. And George Cragen stood by the society for a year after that. But then, in 1838, he and Mary would begin to fall prey to the heretical perfectionist, too. God damn it. Specifically, the works of John Knows. Where's Joe McCarthy when you need him? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and by 1839, a year the later. Cragens, a year later, the Cragens were completely sold. And they declared themselves free of sin, which is a fun thing to do. It is. You know, just, just do that. I'm free. No sin for me. I'm free of sin. I'm a perfectionist. You can't mess with this. Yeah. <laughs> it's their little song that they sang. Oh, nerds. So Mary wrote to uh, John Nose in November of 1839. She said, end quote, It is now nearly four weeks since I was translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. I am weeping for joy. My dear husband, one week since, one week since entered, was that supposed to say? No, one week since entered the kingdom. Like, it's been one week since he entered the kingdom. She just writes weird. My dear husband, one week since entered the kingdom. That's such a weird sentence. Yeah, one week since he entered the kingdom. Yeah. Just makes more sense. Yeah. yeah. I get what she means. It's it's even an incomplete sentence. Yeah. There, it's, my dear husband, one week since entered the kingdom. Will you please write to us and give give our love to all in the faith whom you meet? We shall be very glad to see you when you come to the city. So there seems to be a phenomenon where like these women, they become perfectionists like Harriet. You know, she reads the pamphlets. She starts writing to John. She starts sending him money. She starts fawning over him. And yeah. then it starts like this sort of pen pal relationship. Yeah. That will then eventually turn into something more, perhaps. Because how could you not love the person who helps you declare yourself free of sin? Yeah, I guess it's weird. It's like I'm I'm looking at this. I'm seeing like a lot of stuff we've seen with regards to other cults and groups. And do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. But like this seems to be fairly innocuous. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting seeing something that's just innocuous uses the same or not uses, but has the same things attached to it. Right. Because I'm, like, what I, he is, he's he's kind he's kind of a small scale cult leader because the the group kind of does function within the the bite model of a, a cult with yeah. like thought control, behavior modification, yeah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But you don't really think of a, a church as being a cult. I think you especially don't think of necessarily a Protestant ass church as being right. a cult because of how staid and uh Yeah, you know austere fucking protestants are Mm -hmm. 
But if that minister or preacher holds a very high level of control. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely the same. I mean, yeah. And I mean, specifically New England Protestants, because like Mm -hmm. Southern Baptists and shit, that's all the fire and fury and you can. But New England, it's just colder. It's the same shit. Oh, I'm glad I get to shit on Protestants now. I I, I shit on Catholics (laughs) a lot, but like Protestants deserve just as much fucking shit. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, eager to be uh, surrounded by like-minded individuals. Yeah, it's the same shit. Uh, The Cragens learned of a group of about 25 people living near beautiful Newark, New Jersey. Yep. And off they went. Off they went to to Newark. Newark. (laughs) (laughs) Look out, dar, now we've the guan shoot. Look out, dar, don't you understand? Don't you know that Babylon is falling? What the fuck? Babylon is falling. When did this song come out? I think it's a Civil War song. I think it is a Civil War song, which doesn't make much sense. It doesn't make sense how they were singing it then at an event that happened before that happened. Well, were they? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, well, that, it's probably a hymn. Yeah. Well, actually, no, it's not a hymn because there's cannonballs and shit. That's weird. Mm. That's, hmm. The earliest I can find is 1863. Wait, the text was reprinted in 1833 Shaker Hymnal. Shaker Hymnal. Okay. Yeah. So it's a Shaker. Okay, so it was reprinted as a Shaker Hymnal, but it was a, hy- a hymn. Yeah. Okay. It's the first stanza of the text appears in a manuscript of tunes from the Enfield, Connecticut Shaker community and may date to as early as 1810. Okay, cool. Yeah, interesting. Makes sense. But then it looks like, okay, this song is not the song they were singing. Okay. Yeah, not at all. Completely different. Completely. It's like there might be inspired or there might be a verse in there a bit, but yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's probably is no recorded version. I don't of think the other so. One. Yeah, because they're singing about coming to fight for Uncle Sam there. Yeah, right. Yeah. What I'm song just should we cut that? What song should we put it? Yeah, I was listening to it. And like, I was like, no, 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 no. Uh, like, because if that's the song that they were singing, and that's like why the Greens were so scandalized by the singing of it, then I get it. But the other one, I'm like, what was so scandalous about it? Uh, let's just let's find uh, let's find Shaker music. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see. How about I will bow and be simple? My carnal life, I will identify. Dude. Yeah, New England fucking... New England's just as dark as everywhere else is. I don't yeah. like this. I don't like this at all. Not one sparrow was forgotten. What is this? These fucking weird shakers. Let Zion move. There we go. Going to Joycey. Huh. What the fuck? What the fuck is a shaker? This sucks. This music is awful. I hate this. The shakers were formed by this. Oh, my God. Look up the founder of the shakers. You will find the funniest fucking picture of her. Like they did her so dirty. You'll know exactly which one I'm talking about, too. You'll be like, wow. Why did they draw her like that? Did <laughs> <laughs> you like that because her forehead's fucking huge, dude? <laughs> like she wasn't attractive, but she wasn't that ugly. <laughs> That's a gray. That's yeah. a fucking gray yeah, alien. Like not a human. Wow, that head is insane. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. She was the founder of the Shakers, and they were known for they did ecstatic dancing. That's why they were called the Shakers. Because so they, why does their sh- music suck so much? Yeah, like what did they dance to? Just imagine them like spinning around like crazy to this. To this? 
Is this shaker music? Yeah. This is from shaker songs and dances. Weird. Yeah, how do you so quiet? It's, it's so fucking. What is the? Hmm. All right, here's it. Here's another. Let's try this one more time. Dear listener, we've been trying to find some shaker, like some songs that they they were, they sang a lot of shaker hymns. So we were trying to find shaker music to lead into this next section. Right. Turns out, well, first we thought we were playing one, but it turned out to be actually quite a offensive Civil War song. <laughs> um, so now we're just looking for shaker. Songs and it turns out Shaker's music fucking sucks. And they were known for dancing. There's a verse Whoa. that we read this week that says, "V'asuli mikdash He's trying to speak Jewish. Order of <laughs> <laughs> where it says sanctuary. That means build for me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. It says them, meaning God may dwell among them, the people rather than it, the sanctuary. <laughs> so this is the idea that God isn't contained within any... Because these guys were space, an offshoot of the Shakers, right? The, the Quakers. The Quakers. Yeah. And in the relationship... Who came first, the Shaker or the Quakers? The Quakers. The Quakers came first. And okay. Were the Shakers. Right. Who cracked down even further on sex. The Shakers. Yeah, the, the founder had like six um, kids that like died as babies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like not even miscarriages, but like. <gasps> oh, so that's fucking so, some repression shit too. Yeah. Yeah. But so you would say like the perfectionists and shit, they were contemporaries or like part of the same class. So it's actually kind of relevant where we listen to that yeah. crazy lady. This is the vibe. This is the, vi the vibe of the whole A vibe. Thing. Yeah. so funny to think of them just like fucking shaking like crazy to this yeah what is going on here should we try one more time yeah okay that's probably that's nice Sh shake her him him dude that's what i'm that's what i'm been searching <laughs> that's literally what i've been searching yeah it's hard it's really hard kind of hard to find music from this um from this time that's oh, from 1839 yeah they weren't exactly the record industry wasn't exactly uh booming all right, here's Dean Phelps singing the Shaker hymn, Simple Gifts. When I was a... God damn it. Tis a gift to be simple. Tis a gift to be free. Yeah, it's a gift to be simple. Here we go. These two fucking nerds. This is a shaker song. Yeah. Who knew? Are we all shaking? Yeah, dude, they're just fucking... <laughs> like they're overdosing on Molly. <laughs> I can see, like, you know, kicking around to this. Uh, it's exhausting. Yeah, it's pretty lame. And it, it's, it's exhausting in its banality. It is pretty lame. Yeah. I want to just drop like a fess and flying over it. Yes, you know? exactly. Yeah. yeah, fucking rip it up, kid. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Okay, that's enough of that. All right, now we've heard some shaker music. And now we're in Newark. That was way too much effort for what we got out of it. Yep. <laughs> and now we're in Newark, New Jersey. This, now we're in Jersey. The wheels are in Jersey. falling up off yeah. this goddamn car. Yep. <laughs> Well, the Newark perfectionist. All right. 
consisted of three factions. They didn't do a They're, good job in perfectionists in Newark. Yeah. Fucked up. <laughs> consisted of three factions. We got the legalists, the antinomians, and then a middle party that attempted to steer clear of both. We don't really need to get into what those mean. We too much. surely do not. But what they mean is that they all believe the same thing, but disagree about why they believe it. <sighs> so the middle party is basically saying oh f- fuck both y'all like so this middle party it's headed by abram c smith he's an acquaintance of john knows and and mr smith he is an important figure in this story abram c smith yes abram remember c. his smith. ass yeah so when George and Mary Cragen were introduced to the Newark perfectionists, the antinomians were the head honchos in town. I like they, gnomes. Yeah, antinomian. It no, just sounds me. cool. Like if I had to choose between legalists, antinomians, or neither, I'd be like, tell me about those an- antinomians. Oh, no, fuck you. I love my gnomes. Yeah. I don't like, I don't want anybody. Antinome? Who's antinome? Yeah. Bullshit. <laughs> it's fucking bullshit. Well, even though the antinomians were at the top. The organization lacked organization. There's no leaders, no rules, no regular meetings. Actually, there was one rule. Which no is that fucking gnomes. No, no. Whenever perfectionists met, it was expected for them to kiss. What? That is the one rule. Aren't they anti-sex? <laughs> it's just such a funny, it's a, just a funny. Mwah. What the fuck? Yeah. Okay. All right, so. After uh, after remember the Newark perfectionist passed away, the the Greens um, who are the Greens? The Greens were the couple that previously were the head of the female moral reform society. Okay, but then yeah, yeah, scandalized yeah, okay. the entire city by being like, actually, we're perfectionists now. Right. Yeah. So the Greens held the funeral at their large country estate. <sighs> Unfortunately, this person's death was inconveniently timed and. Uh, there was a giant snowstorm the day of the funeral. All the guests were snowbound at the mansion for two days. If you can fucking imagine that at a funeral, getting stuck in a mansion with a whole bunch of people after a funeral. Yeah. That's awful. George Cragen writes of two days that they were sheep without a shepherd, surrounded by beasts of prey. He was witness to unedifying talk. Oh, the horror. <laughs> Loose behavior. Oh, the absolute horror. And much singing of Babylon has fallen. The most horrific of all. But at least it wasn't the, the Civil War version, because that one's b- worse. No, no, no. It, sounded, it, it, was, it, it was like this. Yeah, I knew you were going to do it. <laughs> it worked. It actually worked. They would have... If, if they heard even five seconds of this song, they would fall apart. But this is the only soundtrack that would make his, his comments make sense if he was a man in 1840 if they and they were just like busted this shit out oh my god they wouldn't be able to handle it he fucking green's got this increasingly wide-eyed look at his fucking <laughs> yeah George Cragen's hiding in the corner. Just, just one, just one measure of the drop. <laughs> Loose behavior, indeed. <laughs> 
It's just a bunch of fucking, fucking college kids in shutter shades and shit. Yeah. But no, it wasn't that. It was actually a shaker him like the that bullshit we just we just listened to. Yeah, it is oh, a gift God. to be tis simple. It is a gift to be simple. It is a gift to be free. God. Do, do you know what I mean about the exhaustion that comes along with this? Yes. Yeah. What's hilarious is that that Major Laser song does accurately reflect the thoughts going on in William Craigen's head. Yeah. At the time. <laughs> <laughs> whatever ha- so whatever happened during these two funeral party days uh, led the Greens, prominent pillars of the community, to give up on perfectionism entirely and swing over to shakerism. Yeah. So, huh. yeah, I guess they're just done. They're just done with it. Yeah, they're just going. Well, they just they heard it's the shaker hymns so much and yeah, saw how much fun they were having with uh-huh. all that wonderful shaker music. Right. That means that whatever John knows was fucking slinging was lamer than that. Mm. Mm. So following the funeral, the politics of the New York perfectionists shifted. Abram Smith of the middle party was rising in influence and he had John knows backing him up. So the Putney community is currently happening at a small scale okay right now and picking up at this time yeah meanwhile yeah. the newark perfectionists are going along and this is the conversion of the craigans right okay yeah because yeah, yeah. eventually the craigans are going to end up at the doorstep of right. the putney community so we're right now learning how all of that happens so we're learning the story of how the craigans end up so we've got Putney. we've got the Putney community. That's a different thing than the Shakers, mm-hmm. which is a different thing than perfectionists. Right. Jesus Christ. Well, the Putneys and the Newarks are both perfectionists. So all there's okay. these little perfectionist communities throughout. Right. Throughout the, I guess they're are, they're not colonies right now, are they? Throughout no, they're states. The, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's groups of perfectionists throughout the states, and they all support one another. Yeah. And send people, you know, from town to town like hey would you mind going here to to preach to this group and they you know pop around from place to place like those other other. people pieces of shit we've been looking at yeah yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. so abram smith and john knows are you know they're in touch because they're both leaders in their respective geographical locations right yeah so it's it's just smart for them to be in each other's pockets yeah yeah yeah, so Smith was talking up John, and John was talking up Smith, I mm-hmm. imagine. Yeah. <clears throat> so let's talk about Smith's marriage a little bit. Let's let's talk about Smith's <laughs> marriage a little bit. Yeah. After all, this is this episode focuses a lot on relationships. Yes. One time, John referred to Abram's wife Marianne as a perfect devil. Now, did did he mean she's a perfect devil, or she's a perfect devil? See, you, you never really, it's hard to tell, yeah. John Stone, isn't it? Isn't it always a bit of both? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Abram and Marianne's marriage had been arranged by the head of the legalist faction. God, I hate this it. guy, Charles <laughs> Weld. And their marriage was falling apart because Abram had turned against legalism long ago. God. But his wife still held affections for it. So Yo. That was so fucking stupid. If your marriage is arranged by the head of the legalist faction of whatever, you're fucked. Yeah. I was falling apart before it was a twinkle in fucking Charles <laughs> Weld's eye. So with the Smith's marriage on the rocks and the newly devoted Craigans approaching the end of their lease and ready to really, you know, dig into their perfectionist community and make themselves a part of it. What? It, what? There's no better time to invite the Craigans to come and live with them. The Smith said, well, <laughs> Abram Smith said, come on in. 
Yeah. And they lived in Rondout, which is about 70 miles up the Hudson River. Abram was the overseer of a lime manufacturing company, and he placed George Cragen in charge of the farm, who loved it, and he, you know, quickly got absorbed in life of a farmer. And it's easy to do. If you're a type of person, I'll, I'll like it if you get introduced to farming. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fall in love with it. Hell, yeah. Uh, he had a wide variety of skills, managing a paper, now yeah. he's tending the land. He's George a, is a capable fellow. He's a useful person to have in your commune. You want a George Cragen in your commune. For commune. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So with fucking capable Cragen tending the fields, uh, everything was hunky-dory. But behind closed doors, not so much. So while Abram Smith and Mary Cragen enjoyed talking to one another warmly and at length, George Cragen began to be treated with coldness. Now, Abram only ever spoke to him about business, and Mary was starting to act more indifferent towards her husband George as well. Oh, Jesus. Rejecting his affections. Um. And then a month after the Cragen's arrival, April of 1840, Mary Ann Smith declared herself forever saved from sin, <laughs> but not in the perfectionist way. <laughs> sin meaning Abram. Oh. She was done with Abram, and the, the Smiths are over. Oh, Poor Abram. Yeah. Unless he was a bastard. <laughs> yeah. Unless he was sin incarnate. Well, there might be a reason, a good reason why Marianne left. All right. Because now, now that she was gone, Abram could begin an even more illicit affair with Mary. See, their conversation started to get a little more hot and heavy. <laughs> because Marianne was no longer there sleeping in Abram's bed next to him, Mary began to have night terrors. Where the only way to relieve her affliction was to go to Smith's room for spiritual relief because he was, you know, the head of this, the Newark perfectionist after all. He is, you know, the preacher that you go to. Oh, my God. So she keeps having, you know, these night terrors, right? <sighs> George, George, George. I know. Get your mind out of the beet field, George. <laughs> the lime Look field. what's going on around you. <laughs> oh. God. So... Meanwhile, uh, Mrs. Smith is still legally married to Abram, and she was angry. Rightfully all, so. All around round out, rumors stirred, and a warrant was issued against Abram for a breach of the peace. <laughs> like, I love that. You can just be, like, mad at your, your cheating husband and, you You're know, breaching the peace. Get, get the town in on it. <laughs> get the community against him. Ah, oh, that's fucked up, man. Well, lucky for Smith, uh, John Nose arrived that day and was able to help mediate the situation, having sensed mischief at work in the Smith family. With the warrant issued, the cat was out of the bag now, and George Cragen knew all the dirty details about what had been happening between his wife and Abram. Ah, uh, poor George. Yeah. So, John knows he takes Abram back to Putney for two weeks. <laughs> well, things died down in Rondo. Just like, hey, Abram, come on. We got, like, come on down to Putney for a weekend. Everything, let everything work itself like, just out. Just leave this couple alone. Yeah. Just like, let's get you out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so, during these two weeks, Mr. George Cragen, kind soul, he completely forgives Mary. And he forgives Abram. And he actually hoped that the three of them would become closer than ever after this. After all, they promised never to do it again. Cut. <laughs> well, George, he would be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, no, you're just shit. Once Abram came back, it didn't take him long to go back to his old tricks. See, oh. he led Mary to believe that John Knows said it was okay for their affair to continue. He told her, we went on long walks. 
We had a long talks in Putney all about how it's super cool for me to keep fucking you. Meanwhile, Smith kept George busy by loading him down with lots of work and condemnation. And, you know, because, you know, he is the spiritual leader after all. So he's kind of got a hold on on their minds. I want to pause here for a second and compare this situation to the situation between Jack Parsons, Wilfred T. Smith, Helen Northrup and Betty Northrup. That's a lot. I was thinking about that a lot. I think that's why I focused on this in this episode as well, because it's it's important to building characters. Yeah. And uh, it's inverted. Yeah. It's an inverted situation. Like with fucking uh, Jack and Wilfred and Helen remained friends forever. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it was all it wasn't lies and deceit. It was like kind of uncomfortable, brutal Honesty, Honesty and yeah. just like an op- openness, not like this fucking weird puritanical having to have a structure and uh, right, yeah. right. So John knows was not okay with this. Like when he snatched Abram away <laughs> for those two weeks, it was to let him know, don't fucking do that. A word. Like, do not fucking do. You better not fucking do that again because I trust you. Yeah, I think you're a good man. I think that. This could be good for you if you focus on this and can overcome this. Like it wasn't like I because I was picturing like a I don't know like a like a mafia thing like let's just get you out of here take you down to Atlantic City we'll have a good time for a couple right. of weeks you know let everything smooth itself over it wasn't like that it was like yeah and it was also to like give the Cragens a chance to repair okay. their relationship a little bit too okay after this happened interesting right it is because it almost seems like. John knows is almost acting as responsible as a man of this type of a man of the cloth and this type of fucked up faith can be. Yeah. He's like you a know? mediator in their relationship. He's almost doing the best he can with what he's got. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I thought it was just doing gangster shit though. <laughs> <laughs> so Abram goes back, right? And he immediately starts fucking her again. Right. Even though John explicitly told him not to. And even though George is trusting him not to. Abram just he just does it again. He just immediately does it again. Abram's a bastard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right, and he's keeping it a secret. See, John doesn't think that it's wrong to have extramarital affairs. He thinks that it's wrong to do it and keep it a secret and not have the consent of your partner. He's right. Yeah. He's just he's just right. Right. Yeah. All right. Take him. Take it. Nose. Take a point. (laughs) I know. Like okay. And so yeah, I guess he didn't know that when he asked him to go speak to the perfectionist in Pennsylvania about salvation and all that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. The sentence for me to read. I can't believe it. It's one of those things are just like, and Abram let Abram got George to let Mary go with him. Yeah. Like, okay. Everyone knew. I don't believe it for a second. (sighs) You're lying to yourself. If you don't know George, that's bullshit. I think, yeah, (sighs) I think George really was lying to himself. Yeah. Like there's just no way. That's uh, Oh, he's just a cuck. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. I don't know. Well, instead of going directly to Pennsylvania for the spiritual mission that he had been trusted with by John, uh, they went to New York City. They went to New York City and partied for a week. And at the end of the week, Mary returned home while Abram continued on his way to Pennsylvania. And when Mary pulled ashore, she seemed different. She clearly had a heavy burden on her soul, but... George didn't press her about it. See, he seems like the fact that he doesn't ask her, but he can tell that something is wrong and he can probably tell that there's an affair going on, but he doesn't 
he doesn't say anything right. until they say something or until it's right in front of his face. Yeah, yeah. He seems like a avoidant type of person. Yeah. Man, you gotta Ooh, don't drag that out, man. <clears throat> fucking Yeah. You know, if you got just a little bit of an inkling, just start fucking smashing tables. Start, mm. No, don't do that. Don't yeah. do that. No, <laughs> have a conversation. That's, I'm being Have a conversation. Facetious. Yeah. yeah. So George doesn't ask her about why she seems uh, odd. Instead, <sighs> a couple weeks later, he goes on his own trip to New York City by himself, where he meets up with mutual friends who had hung out with Mary and Abram. And <laughs> <laughs> he learns through them. What no. happened? Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. His So his friend in New York wanted to inform John about Abram and Mary's little affair, knowing that John wouldn't want Smith representing him in Pennsylvania if he knew what happened. So New York homie told George, uh, uh, suggested that George give him some money to go and tell John face to face. With the friend on the way to talk to Nose, old Georgie Porgy boarded the steamer back to Roundout to confront his wife. The morning sun shone beneficently upon the calm waters of the bay as George entered a boat to row himself to the opposite shore. His wife was at the pier waiting for him with a neutral expression. George, she said, she said, you know it all. The secret is out and I thank God for revealing it. I'll make a clean breast now for I can carry the works of darkness no longer. Like. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, there it is. Okay. <laughs> it's such a fucking soap opera. God like, damn it. really? Yeah. You know, the morning sun is shining, like pulling up, you know, he's pulling up and he just knows like this terrible conversation is going to fucking have to happen. I will make a clean breast now for I yeah. can carry the works of darkness no longer. Yeah. Ugh. But George is able to forgive Mary because, you know, she's super hot after all. And they could, you know, use the excuse that Abram was manipulating her and manipulating both of them and blah, blah, blah. So with terrible dread, they awaited the return of Abram Smith from Pennsylvania. And then late the next Saturday night, loud raps on the door were heard, followed by the well-known voice of Smith. So George opened the door. Yeah. (laughs) 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 So George opens the door because Mary doesn't want to see him, doesn't want to talk to him. I can't Smith, see that, man. Yeah. Smith extends his hand, but he would be left hanging. Oh, George doesn't shake. Yeah. And George states, no, I cannot take the hand of one who has so cruelly wronged me. Dude, they talked for so long back then. Everything, every sentence they said was just huge. Yeah. You could just say, fuck you. Right. That's all you gotta say. That's you have so thing. cruelly wronged I cannot wronged take me. the hand of one who has so cruelly wronged me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the next day, the three of them toiled all day until finally Smith declared he would just leave and go to Putney. <laughs> I'm just... Fine. I'll just go to Putney. Yeah. Right? Good luck. Once you get there, you're gonna find the John telling you to fuck off. And so Craig and rode Smith across the creek rest for one last kiss before he left. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? That's- <laughs> like the sense like of time <laughs> what like truly what the fuck which Kragen is this george <laughs> <laughs> i just blew out my microphone with that 
Oh, God. He did it, too. <laughs> of course he did. Yeah. Well, after all of that, yeah. <laughs> uh, Craigans wanted to get the fuck out of Roundout after that and uh, leave all that crap behind him. So they sold most of their furniture and set off for New York. Oh, what's that? Oh, no. A letter just arrived from John Nose. Yeah. So this letter, it says, hey, heard from your friend. Yeah. So Smith sucks. And you rule. I'm really sorry for ever trusting that guy. I'm like super sorry about that. Um, also, your wife. Like, what was up with your wife? I'm not sure you should trust her. <laughs> so Mrs. Cragen goes to New York to wait. George goes to Putney to meet up with John and explain everything to him and say, well, no, Mary's okay. Mary was being manipulated. She's of the faith. Our marriage is strong. Our love is strong. So John says he has a proposal. Come and spend the winter with me, studying the Bible and waiting on the will of God. Bring your family. My house is large enough for us all. Oh, no. So 10 days later, in September 1840... Mr. and Mrs. Cragen and their two children arrived in Putney, and with their arrival, a warfare with the lusts and affections of the flesh began. Oh, no. Yeah. <sighs> do you see what... Do you, do you have yeah. any guesses of what's going to happen? Everybody's fucking everybody. <laughs> yeah. Forks. So, like, Mary is described as such a temptress, and, like, husbands can't resist her. And I looked up a picture, and I'm just like... That's not what I expected, but okay. So we know that John thought that um, this girl, Abigail, was his like his twin flame, basically. Yeah. Yeah. His his destined mate. His mm-hmm. Yeah. She was his first convert and had stood bravely by him through his hardest battle. She had opened to him the door of the free church in the city of New Haven, but she revolted and returned to the church. Nose had tried desperately to win her back. Despite that, she married another. And then in his anguish, John Nose had clutched at the theory of complex marriage. But this, he thought, applied only in heaven. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've, I, I, I didn't necessarily know that. Right. So I want to make that clear mm. because I feel like I did not. No. Okay. So complex marriage. He thinks of this concept, but it doesn't get put into practice for quite a while. He just lets it stew as a theory for a long time. And it's only in heaven. Right. That actually makes a lot more sense to me because, like, you know, postulating about what, like, existence would be like as a disincarnated spirit free from, like, chemicals and hormones and Mm -hmm. shit like that, right? Yeah. Like, the idea of, like, well, how would love and relationships work in that case? Right. It wouldn't, you know, if you were just, like, in heaven without whatever fucking kingdom of God, you know. Yeah, if you weren't in the physical material world, what would... Yeah, you wouldn't have What would love look like? Right, exactly. It wouldn't be confined to anything. Right, exactly. It wouldn't be... It'd be very chaste in a way or like... Yeah. Yeah, interesting. That's that's, That's a good thing to stress. Yeah. Right, right. So he thought that there was this... Like the resurrection of the body had to happen first. Mm. Whatever that means... Like, there's this thing that had to happen in order for complex marriage to be instituted. I don't know why, but it just got, like, a weird transhumanist vibe. Yeah. It's just, well, they did go for eugenics. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Or I feel like even a spiritual transformation has to happen in order, like, within the group, even, just to... it's, It's like early polyamory, even. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not it, like exactly. it's not polygamy because he wasn't into polygamy. He was explicitly against it. Like the idea of taking on many wives. Right. He didn't like that. Well, at I mean, all. it's absolutely proto polyamory. Yeah. You know? Um, right. Which, you know, if you're used to a lifetime of monogamy, that's it can be a very difficult thing to navigate mentally. So it, it almost is like a, a resurrection of the of the soul has to take place in order for that dynamic to come into play because it is something that is so foreign. You also don't have to because it's not handed down from God. It's just a way people choose to be if it works for them. You know, right. it's not holy. It's In just a way instance, to be. That's the way that they have to justify it to themselves. That's dangerous. That's right? dangerous ground. <clears throat> yeah. So with all that talk about like the, the resurrection of the body and blah, blah, blah. There is something that happened in 1846 to speed things up. They wanted that complex marriage. They did. They fucking wanted it. Yeah. Well, so, so it was this idea that it could be in heaven, like that it wasn't heaven. But then John said like- have, We can have heaven We can on have earth. heaven on earth, right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have to like, start living in accordance with what life in heaven would be like. So if there is no- That's bad shit crazy. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? That's insane. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just flip flop so many times on this shit. They flip flop to yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. They had some very interesting practices, by the way, I th- in the Putney community. You know. They had this thing where like, you know how in Scientology they have a thing where like they just sit you down and then people criticize you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did that. The oh, Putney no. community too. But it was supposed to be like a loving thing to teach people how to, Bro. you know, handle criticism. No, no, no. That's literally how it always themselves. is. Yeah. Yep. That's what Scientology said it was for. That's what Om Shinrikyo said it was yeah. for. Like, but yeah. isn't that so seeing it in this. That's 18- just cult shit. Yeah. This is just a cult. Yeah. 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 If I'm flip-flopping so many times, that's it, 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 then it just is. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Now I know yeah, what I'm yeah. dealing with. So. If we didn't say it, like. Well, here wrote a bunch of words for this, and she, you get tired talking a lot. So she's having me say a lot of the words Indeed. that you wrote, you know, to you know ease but the burden, make it we're more both interesting. Processing it at the same time, right? Too. So if that's if it sounds like I know something and then I don't know something, that's why. Indeed. Yes, it's almost like cults or something that just happen. Yeah. Well, because it's a bunch of people that don't want to live life the normal way. They want to basically start their own. Because this is how towns were started. A lot of towns began by preachers buying a plot of land and then their disciples or their people in their congregation donate and then they buy a plot of land and that's their, the town. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of how a lot of countries are even founded. I mean, there's a lot in between. There's so much. There were some cults that were here first. Right. But like on a micro and macro, so this is just like a micro version of something that happens in a a wide variety of scales. Yeah, but there's some there's some cult ass patterns. Like I wouldn't say that like we've got like group dynamics and then we've got cults and those are like two they're similar like they touch totally. on the same things. But like man, you're all living in a house together. You all start fucking each other and people aren't quite cool with it, but they're doing it anyway. And it changes them as people. You're in a cult. Yeah. Well, the thing is they try to manage the, like the different conflicts that come out of this. So 
1840, when the Cragans come to Putney, right? Yeah. They come with a bit of a reputation because people, I'm sure they do. People know what happened. Oh, yeah. Mary, there's whispers about her. Again, there's 12 people in Vermont. Yeah. Yeah. There are some whispers about Mary. Um, and this, she's not handling it well. In fact, she's pretty suicidal. Jesus. So John and Harriet, they try to help her, but she's still, she's, she basically has mental health issues for the whole time that she's there. Yeah, she's losing it. She's so guilty. She's yeah. so guilty over what happened. And yeah, she, yeah, yeah. her and George haven't really reconciled it properly. So these two couples become very close throughout the years, sort of like counseling each other and talking through all of these things. I mean, you know, like the Scarlet Letter was written <clears throat> about adultery in New England. Right. You know what I mean? Like, And it also makes sense that if these couples are all living together, raising children together, they're in this enclosed community, they're practicing the same faith that's sort I, of like demonized by the town at large, that of course draws them very close to one another. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense that, you know, attractions will form. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So in January 1846, Harriet Poop Poop Poop. <clears throat> <laughs> So they've been there for six years. Yeah. And they just started fucking each other. Well, not yet. Okay. They start. So just because they develop feelings doesn't mean that they have sex. They actually take things pretty slowly, believe it or not. This is strange. It's very strange. So Harriet develops feelings for George Cragen. Who'd have thunk? George. George is getting some action. Finally. He, He writes a letter and Harriet, this letter like, oh, makes her so tingly, like, this, Jesus Christ. this letter awakens <laughs> feelings in, in Harriet that she has to admit to John because she's like, she wants, she wants to move forward and tell George like about the spirit of honesty felt. and building heaven yeah. on earth. Right. So Harriet tells John and he's very approving. Actually, he decides that the four of them should get together and, and talk about it. So here's how it went. Okay. Harriet admits to George that her heart feels drawn to him. And George says, oh, my God, I I feel the same way about you, Harriet. And oh, my God, what do you know? Mary's OK with that because she actually has feelings for John. And she's been afraid to admit that because she didn't know if she was allowed to feel that way about John. So they they all like each other. Well, John's actually pretty indifferent towards Mary at this point in time. But whatever. He, he's cool with this. So, like, guys, oh, my God, we should get, like, symbolically engaged to one another. That would be cool. Oh, my. Yeah. So this is all cool. Winters are long in Vermont. Yeah. Mary Cragen writes, we've formed a circle, which is not easy for the devil to break. We find this evidence that our love is of God. It is destitute of exclusiveness, each one rejoicing in the happiness of others. So yeah. th- they all write about this event um, with joy. I mean, however you got, you don't got to justify nothing. Yeah. Just fucking whatever. (laughs) Uh. But, you know, I think it's, this is the, it's the right way to do it. It's like, let's, hey, let's all meet and like, just talk about it together. No, it for sure is. For sure. I think this is why I'm like. It's just so bizarre of the time period. But I think this, this is, this is just such an example of why I'm, uh, a committed monogamous. Mm. People exhaust me. <laughs> All of this is just like, what? The, there's not, how many fucking hours in a day do you have? 
what are you doing? Well, they're all just uh, there together, working together, and like they have these crossroads. Write a book. Yeah, and you know what? they are. They're, they're doing that too. They're working on the printing press. They're putting out those publications. The doesn't exist. I don't know. But God thinks it it's does. a lot. Yeah. We I have wouldn't be able to do it. Consuming our culture. Did they invent forks? We have to create culture. No. <laughs> stupidity has a definite evolutionary function. <laughs> Pretty present. I'm so, all for abolishing stupidity, but before now it that goes, the Cravens and Noses, we should pay tribute to her. Yeah. Had enter their, entered into their quartet. John wanted to extend the blessing to the other couples with whom they had grown closest to. Extend the yep. blessing. See, this is the problem I'm talking about. Extend the blessing. It's not holy. You just want a wife swap. Yeah, no, That's it. no, God, it's God telling God, us to do, it's God's holy, there's literally, God has okay, nothing to do with there's this. a show on TLC called Seeking Sister Wife, where it's about, like, is there also a show called Wife Swap? <laughs> that's different no but seeking sister wife is literally like couples looking for another person to get married with them and there's multiple instances of guys on that show saying that it's divinely commanded by the bible that they live this lifestyle and you can just tell that their wives are so miserable yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like but this it seems like everybody's willing participants in this I, as soon as you say oh, i've seen this before we'll see it again. Yeah, Ed, Edward Kelly. You know, but the as, bigger as soon it gets, the say, less willing participants there are. I believe. As soon as you say, "Angels say I gotta fuck your wife," you've crossed into you've crossed the Rubicon. It's it's not angels say I have to. It's angels say it's okay. That angels I do. say you can. It's okay if you let me. Yeah, which is it, fucked. Well, it's really okay if we both agree to it. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. But you know that's so. This is that whole question about like consent and authority and positions of power right right this man has the force of god behind him well because this is a time when it's literally illegal to you know have yeah. sex outside of your marriage for like, sure you know i and like to be fair like i'm a hundred percent in favor of breaking those taboos and shit right so they had it's to use the, the the religious angle in order to justify it. Yeah. another a different kind of problem yeah a culty fucking problem right it's inherently not equal mm. footing. Yeah. So they wanted to extend the blessing to the other couples who, with whom they'd grown closest to. So the, the other couples were the Millers and the Skinners. God. And these four couples would form the nucleus to draw all the others in. But being, uh, being people and not actually in the kingdom of heaven, jealousies would still rise. Because, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Charlotte Miller... She becomes distressed that Mary Cragen, temptress that she is. Was she was she was described as the perfect devil. No, that was, that Mar- was the other one. That was Marianne Smith. That was okay. Abrams' wife. Okay, Smith is like cast out of the picture now. Yeah, they fleed Smith over in Newark. He's d- doing whatever he's doing. Get out of here. Charlotte Miller is Mister Miller's uh, wife, and he's just Mister Miller because his name was John. Yeah, no, he's Miller. <laughs> so he's Miller. Yeah. And Charlotte suspected that Mr. Miller had his eye on Mary and he didn't love her as much anymore. But Mary felt awful about that. She actually like she she wasn't okay with the fact that Charlotte was feeling jealous and bad. Mm. So Mary tells her husband, George, can you can you please go talk to Mr. Miller and tell him to treat me with coolness and reserve from now on? Because she didn't want to cause Charlotte any pain. Mm. She she had feelings for Mr. Miller. That was true. 
and he had feelings for her, but she wasn't going to pursue it because she doesn't have to, you know, she has her husband. She has a, uh, she has John. She will have John. (laughs) So Mr. Cragen goes and tells Mr. Miller, but instead of listening, Mr. Miller goes and visits Mary and says, I love you. I feel more strongly for you than any woman in the community. Please, Mary. (sighs) So Mary tells him, I won't do anything that looks like defrauding Charlotte. I seek her happiness before my own because I consider her more worthy. This is very noble, I think. Yeah. I mean, not even. It's just basic decency with right. like relationships. Right, yeah. Like. Well, <laughs> considering someone, I, I don't know. Well, let's, let's see what happens. Yeah. So the next day, Mr. Miller is confronted in front of the group, in front of Charlotte, his wife, about the comments that he made yesterday when he said that he liked Mary more than anyone, including mm. Charlotte. And Mr. Miller said, I didn't say that. She must misunderstood me. I, no, I, I didn't say that. So another meeting was going to have to be held to sort out this conflict. We're just going to draw it out, I guess. Like, Mr. Miller, come on, just give it up already. Meanwhile, there's another meeting in the town about how to build the fucking roads. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Where the school should go. So a meeting between all four couples takes place. The Skinners are just sitting there like, oh, yeesh. (laughs) Glad we're not involved. Right. The Skinners are wearing like. Yeah. They're wearing silk pants. Uh Uh-huh. They're just chilling. They're having a good time. Yeah. A little drunk, not too much. Oh, my gosh. So Nose is like, Mr. Miller, would you like to start the conversation? He's like. No, I didn't do anything. Oh, God. Mary misunderstood me. So he's not, he doesn't want to start the conversation, but he starts it by saying no. He's just being the, the yeah. dishonest and sleazy right from the right. start. So yeah. now Charlotte, his wife, is getting even more angry and confused at the entire situation. She's mad at Mary thinking, well, why would you think that he was coming on to you then? What? You fucking slut. You think that everybody wants you because they do. And I'm in bleh. <laughs> Well, finally, I keep going back and forth, back and forth. Mr. Miller confesses. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I was inappropriate towards her. Yes, I was dishonest with you, Charlotte. Okay, I'm sorry. And he's very ashamed and embarrassed. But, you know, George Cragen, he assures Mr. Miller, we all love you. You know, this is just an external material world affair. We're just trying to, you know, keep the peace amongst us because we all care about you and we care about the group. So... Really, the problem here wasn't the romantic feelings that Mr. Miller had towards Mary. It it was his dishonesty about them. The fact that he was dishonest with Charlotte, the fact that he knew that she wasn't okay with it and did it anyway. Because if you were going to fuck around, you needed to disclose it to your spouse first and get their approval. Yeah. And yeah. Those were the rules. And it's a good rule. Yeah. Yeah. And if you disobeyed the rule, the group would sit you down and try to lovingly talk to you and, you know, get everybody to common ground. And I guess like John knows developed a one of his religious concepts was called Bible secretiveness, which tolerated no secretiveness towards superiors, which is interesting. He believed Mm. that progress and safety depended upon unbroken communication with God. To this end, he thought every person should have counselors superior to himself from whom he kept no secrets. So when he learned Mr. Miller was stopping, stopping, <laughs> just fucking. Ah, Mr. Stupping. Miller was stopping Mrs. Cragen 
and hiding it from others on purpose, that was no bueno. And here's yeah. the thing. That's no bueno, but not for that reason. Fuck superiors knowing all your secrets. Right. That's just the worst thing I've heard so far. Yeah. Right. Perhaps in every, any episode we've ever done, developing fucking a panopticon as a religious uh-huh. concept, go fuck yourself, John knows. I think that some secrets are healthy. And I guess it depends on your definition of a secret. No, the freedom to keep secrets. Yeah. Is uh, necessary to survive. Yeah. yeah. Secrets aren't, but the freedom to keep them. Right. It's very. It is one of the most important things. Mm-hmm. So. That's my soapbox. No, I, I, agree. <laughs> I agree entirely. But of course, that's a method of control to keep people. Yeah. Um, you know. Absolutely. Deferring to John. Right. Of for, course. I mean, I. I you know, I he see wanted, that. He wanted to know the detail. He really didn't like that uh, Mr. Miller was keeping uh, secrets. Well, he's a control freak. Right. And now he's a control freak with God on his side. So like I said, although everybody's bonded, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're having sex. Right. Uh, but I, and I believe that John was not only disapproving of Mr. Miller's dishonesty. But his fucking face. <laughs> I think he was jealous, actually. Yeah? Because, you know, him and the Cragans, they had their special bond. Right, right. And, you know, Mary, she's a temptress and she's smart. He likes smart women. Who doesn't? He he liked Abigail because she was educated. He likes Harriet because she's educated. He likes strong women because his mom was, you know. I like women who can outsmart me. Yeah. Fastest way to my heart for sure. Right. So he's into Mary too. And uh, one evening while they were taking a walk in the woods, May 1846, in the spring 1846, this is really like. Remember January, that's when Harriet opens up about her feelings to right, George. Right. And that's really the ball that gets complex marriage it out into the earthly realm and out of the realm of possibilities. So they're going on a walk, John and Mary Cragen. They discovered that they were united by a deep spiritual bond. We took some liberty of embracing. And Mrs. Cragen distinctly gave me to understand that she was ready for full consummation. Fucking Craig. She's so horny. <laughs> yeah. She's so horny. But John didn't have sex with her. Not for the time being. Because he knew he got to talk to Harriet first. And they got to talk to George. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, then that Mary was, was going to, she was going to make the fucking, she's going to do the same shit. She was going to do the same shit. Just over again. And yeah. John was like, no, we're not doing that. Right. Like, uh-uh. <laughs> so. It's almost as if a lot of these people knew that it would cause hurt. Right. So they have to like encourage uh, no secrets around this specifically too. like we have to keep like all this. We got to keep it out in the open. So instead of having sex in the woods, even though he really wanted to, they went to the Cragen's house and they had another meeting between the two couples. And Harriet was okay with taking that next step. Sure, fuck yeah. And full consummation followed. Meanwhile, they're late on their taxes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, so. So it's on. Let's get it on. So yeah, between the years of 1840 and 1846, this Mm -hmm. like sickness and death were plaguing the community. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Which is a, like an important thing to mention. Yeah. I think that that actually, what's the opposite? Sex and death go together. Oh yeah. You know, hey, birth yeah, yeah. and death, they're two sides of the same. Le petit mort, yeah. as the Frenchies say. Right. So this idea of this victory over death, you know, because John, 
he, he was getting sick all the time. I remember these were like cholera was happening oh, around shit. these years okay. too. Yeah. So like his throat was fucked up for three years where he could like hardly talk. And Damn. you know, and didn't he, wasn't he sick as a kid? And that's when he started having visions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he was always plagued by sickness. Right. Right. And other people were getting Dude, sick to wash too. His fucking hands more. Yeah. <laughs> so I think in his victory over death, when he overcame that like three year sickness and remember 1846 is the year when all of this like free love really starts to come out into the open and right, they right. actually start practicing it and putting it into, you know, putting well, it into practice. Did, was there like, how bad of a sickness was it? It's bad. People die. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. There was one guy in the community. Yeah. David Harrison who had been sick and uh, the doctor had been dosing him up with opium. Jeez. So yeah. John persuaded him to quit the medicine and instead gave him large doses of faith with moderate doses of brandy and wine. Oh, for fuck's sake. The fever left within 24 hours. Oh. And he felt better than he had in years. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Faith healing worked. But uh, then a year later... He got sick again, went to a doctor instead of John for more faith healing. He took medicine and then he died. So, you know, so the, the telling would go within the community that you got to trust it, trust the faith instead. So go to fourwinds10.com and right. find out what Lord Sananda says about so they were, curing your COVID. They were struggling to <laughs> deal with all of the sickness and death. And also between these years, 1840 and 1846, Harriet had four miscarriages. Jesus. So there's some weird, Whoa. like, sex and death but there's and also, trauma. Yeah, there's trauma. And disease happening. They've been through something. The as And as a community, too, because they're all living together. So a miscarriage for Harriet is a miscarriage for the community as for well. For sure. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Because like, it's a tragedy they're a family. Right. Yeah. Even if they're not, even if they're just like five of the 12 people that live in Vermont, like, right. you know, like that sucks. That's a fucking bad day in Putney. Yeah. I mean, th four times? That's four bad days in Putney. Yeah. 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 So I can see how after going through all of that, why they would be like, you know what? Yeah. Let's defy convention and, and do stuff a different model of relationship. I don't know. I, I can see them that being a catalyst for, uh, Absolutely. you know, unrepressing their sexual impulses after going through all of that. It's like, well, f fuck it. If I want to attempting to unrepress, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> repressing in a different way. It, yes. Yeah. It, that's yeah. Cause they didn't have, you know, the internet and shit posting to occupy their time. Mm hmm. <laughs> That is very, that's very interesting. Yeah. The town of Putney, on the other hand, was not as keen about everyone getting it on. No. No. In fact, they were downright disgusted by the rumors they were hearing. Uh, on October 26, 1847, town of Putney arrested John Nose, charged him with adultery, and then released him pending trial on a $2,000 bail. That's 1847. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a fucking, that is a fuck, a metric fuck ton of yeah. money. For having consensual sex. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it did fly in the face of all the regular ass New England. Yeah, totally. Fucking buttoned up. 
repressed, demon-haunted town politics. Right? How dare you explore your sexuality? Fuck that. That's the devil. Yeah. That is the devil. How dare you even suggest that? How dare you even think about that? <laughs> In fact, I know you've been thinking about that. Mm-hmm. So let's put your ass on trial too. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, cold. Cold places, cold people. <laughs> I love saying Putney. Putney. Yeah. Grossly sexual vibe to it. It's the name. Putney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that that $2,000 bail, uh, John's brother-in-law gave him the bail money. But he didn't want to wait around for the trial. John uh, feared mob violence from, in quote, the barbarians of Putney and thought it best to jump following the counsel of the highest authority, the Bible. When they persecute you in the city, flee ye into another. Yep. Dog, that's not Bible wisdom. That's, yo, when they have to get you, fucking run. (laughs) Run, don't stop running, John. Yeah. So there was a group of perfectionists in central New York in the burned over district. Burned over, meaning the the lands were burned with the fiery passion of perfectionism. Jesus. Uh, And they offered the Putneyans a sawmill and 40 acres of woodland on Oneida Creek, halfway between Syracuse and Utica. It was a bland, fertile, welcoming country, suitable for an Eden. Bland, fertile, and welcoming. Yeah. That's what we're dealing with. <laughs> Just like Mary Cragen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and thus... <laughs> nice. And thus, in mid-February of 1848, the year of great change, the perfectionist pilgrims began to arrive in Oneida. The Oneida community would be born. Oh, boy. That's where we're going to pick up next week. Word. Hell Yeah. Have they started making silverware yet? No, not for a while. I've been waiting for this. Yeah. Because I'm expecting silverware to be a part of the story, but it's really not. He has very big dreams involving money making because he knows that money is a very powerful tool. Yes. Yeah. He's very focused on growing into a global empire, which when he says it, you know, at the beginning of the, the Putney Corporation, it's like, ha ha, you know? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually... Yeah, they achieved it in an odd way. Yeah, through silver, and the fact that people need to eat and not use their hands because they ain't got yeah hot water yet. Right, right. Mm. Shit, this is an interesting story, man. Because we've seen a lot of these themes before, right? Mm-hmm. There is nothing paranormal about this story. Yeah, I suppose the. I mean. The phantom of religion. Right. That's what I'm, that's is, what I mean. That's what I mean. Is the it's the paranormal aspect, I guess. I, I mean, I would, I would say so. I mean, it is yeah. the, the idea of faith and religion and mimetic structures and shit. And I don't know, like it, it, it fits in without being, without violating the so-called laws of physics. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's really interesting. It's, it's cool to see those forces at work and removed from that one context, but still with the. Mm-hmm. Some of the same binding themes like God and religion and all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. It is a fucking soap opera, though. Oh, totally. Yeah. And it's, it's also good. interesting how, like, you know, they have those four core couples that get that form, like, the first yeah, yeah. marriage thing. And also there's a few of his uh, brothers and sisters on that contract, too, which one of the stipulations, one of the principles in that in that contract says that John knows is the father and overseer whom the Holy ghost has set over the family thus constituted. So to John knows 
As such, we submit ourselves in all things spiritual and temporal, appealing from his decisions only to the spirit of God and that without disputing. <laughs> all right. So he is the father of, you know, how in cults they have the daddy. Right. The okay. Father. Uh, okay. So I've, I've been cutting this guy too much slack. This is a cult leader. This yeah. man is the leader of a sex cult. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to get real sex culty in the next one. Can they still come? At this point? At this point. Yeah, I think there's more freedom to come at this okay. point. Okay. Yeah. So maybe we're still in the origin. I don't know if... That's a hell of a thing to tell your people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. But yeah, no, I mean, this dude comes from... He's a fucking weasel who lets his obsessions and, and you know, he doesn't make peace with himself and understand his own darkness. He represses it. He fucking pathologizes. And he starts enforcing his own ideals upon or not even he starts wrapping up other people in his own ideals yeah perhaps he doesn't think that he's coercing them but he necessarily is because he's doing it with the authority of god yeah you know and that's a it's just a trap you don't want to fall into Mm -hmm. you know like what he ends up doing is basically becoming the authority on all sex that happens within the community and let me say this dude john knows should not be the authority on all sex that happens anywhere Right. There shouldn't, you shouldn't have to defer to anyone else for authority over your, over who you have sex with. And especially not that dude. Yeah. Fucking peeping Tom stalker ass. So like you basically, if you wanted to have sex with someone, your pairing had to be approved by a committee. And I fucking hate everything about that. Yeah. That is the. And if you showed signs of of liking each other too much, that was grounds for being kicked out. That hasn't really fully happened yet, but that will happen. No, that's fucking Scientology. That's like, that's all this shit. You cannot. What the hell? So you can't be too close to anybody. (sighs) Okay. This is cult shit. Yeah. 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 So what we're seeing. Wicked cult shit. This whole soap opera has been. The grounds are yeah. just like, you know, Betty and Elrond. That's kind exactly, of like exactly. the, the soap opera yes. that leads up to the cult formation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It- <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but it's interesting, like, there are some seeds of of goodness in here. Like, mm-hmm. the idea of, hey, let's be honest and let's talk about these things and figure it out. And like, but just because there's seeds of something that's a better alternative to the fucking fucked up scarlet letter ass right. New England bullshit around you doesn't like, but also it can still go like, bad itself. You know? If you do form a partnership and you start becoming close to one person and that's not what this group is all about, you should be dismissed. You should go. Like you like, should not be there. That's yeah. True. Just yeah. go and be in your partnership then. It's true. That is, that is true. That's the logical thing that should happen. Yeah. 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 At least they're not like, they're not doing like some of the real dark cult shit like a, uh, killing you right (laughs) but what they did encourage is to have sex with different people frequently and to keep like intimacy between multiple people so that you didn't get too close to one person but i feel like that's not a thing that you can force right so and in fact that's the thing that's kind of unhealthy it's insanely unhealthy anything done by committee what the fuck yeah why why are you doing this by committee and then and then don't forget like this is how we're saving our souls yeah so it's not so easy to just up and fucking leave mm-hmm. right there's the threat of eternal damnation yeah like that ain't that ain't cool uh, i'm not into that yeah it's gonna know. get super sex culty <sighs> and now right. we see just well, like this is john's practice run is the the nucleus right it's him seeing how he can handle the internal affairs of all these jealousies and different things that pop up yeah 
and that all fits in very well with the uh, the tarot card we pulled. Mm-hmm. Tell me about it. Seven of Cups. Yeah. Debauch. So that is Venus in Scorpio, Netzach in the watery world of Bria. It's drinking your fill to the point of throwing up. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, yeah. D- debauchery mm-hmm. and that uncomfortableness that comes from that point that like, oh, you know, whether, however it is through sex or alcohol or whatever. Yeah. To the point of it's meaningless and you're chasing the dragon, so to speak. Yeah. Um, he wanted it all. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's pathologizing something that is in small doses healthy, mm-hmm. right? An obsession, you know, in the Rider Waite Smith deck, it's the picture of all the different cups in the cloud. Yeah. And the Holy Grail is in there. Making a choice. Right. Um, or being overwhelmed by all choices yeah, and all the, possibilities. The illusion and, of choice. Right. Fitting. Venus and Scorpio. Yeah, now. Right. Sex. It's just, it's, it's just what that is. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm excited and scared to find out where this goes. Yeah. Should be interesting. I think, think we're going to be really disgusted. Hell yeah. <laughs> I could use it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening. Yes. We love you. Thank you. Take care. Don't use forks. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Peace out.